0: Welcome to Lesbians Who Write with Claire Lydon and TB Markinson. Conversations about writing and lesbian fiction. Join us as we draw back the curtain on the writer's life. Hello, and welcome to episode 148 of Lesbians Who Write. This week's topic is What are your key brand values? Joining me, Claire Lydon, is my co-host, the Branding Boss, T.B. Markinson. Hello, T.B., how are you today? Or how are you bossing today, I should say?
1: Branding boss? Can I, like, put that on my, um, well, I don't really have a resume anymore, (laughs) or business cards. Where do I put it? My website, maybe?
0: Have it tattooed on your bum.
1: Then I would have to show people my bum. (laughs) No one really deserves that. (laughs) No one deserves that. All right. So how am I today? Um, well, I should we should admit that we're recording this a bit early, and this is coming out on February 28th, so that means it's the last day of the month, and I have an edit date on March 1, so I'm pretty much guaranteeing you I'm in full panic mode. I always have a mad scramble to make my deadlines, and there used to be a time in my life where it wasn't like this when I was doing a lot less but I keep adding more to my work life, and I'm always scrambling, and I hate deadlines. But I'm an author, and there is no way not to have deadlines in your life, otherwise you would never finish a project.
0: No, you wouldn't, and uh, I, I think I think we discussed this, didn't we, when I was trying to uh, get back on track, on the writing train, choo choo, and um, which is very different to Toot Toot TV, I think you'll find, but you know.
1: Yeah, it sounded really
0: different. And I think the reason, one of the reasons that I I couldn't get my ass back into gear, let's put it, let's put it, let's tell it how it is, is because I hadn't set a deadline. As soon as I set a deadline, I worked backwards, I worked out how many words a day I needed to uh, write, and then I got on with it. Set your deadlines. Yeah.
1: Speaking of deadlines, now that the March 1 is almost met, I don't have my next deadline until May 1, which means I have eight weeks breathing room, and it sounds like an eternity. And I'm really looking forward to that. But I am well aware by the time I hit mid-April, <laughs> I will be back in the panic mode trying to meet the deadline because uh, it, the days go so quickly, even though you're like, oh, two months, two months, you can get a lot done. They go by so much faster than you think they are going to. Mm. But the difference between this, between the March deadline and the May deadline is um, in mid-April, when I'm realizing, oh, you have two weeks left to get this book done, I won't also be managing a 99 cent sale at IHL. I fucked myself over at the beginning of this year and set a lot of things. Like I launched a, a new reading challenge. I had a 99 cent sale. So there's been a lot going on behind the scenes. A lot. So that those two weeks. I'm not going to have some of the stuff. That's going to be nice. going to be really nice. It
0: will be nice. But I think I said this to you uh, off air, but I will say it on here. And I'm sure other authors listening um, are very appreciative to you for doing the uh, IHL readers challenge because it's great for readers as well um, to discover new authors. But it's great for authors to sell more books. So you are making a positive difference.
1: Well, thank you for that. And uh, um, I'm noticing uh, because I see all the stats behind the scenes and the reading challenge is becoming one of the most popular events on IHL. So, and also we paired them with sales and, and that doesn't necessarily mm. mean you have to be involved in the sale to sell books because you're on the same page. So we're still driving eyeballs to the page. So the authors who are putting the books for sale are benefiting, but so are the authors um, who aren't putting them on sale. So it mentions sale and you get eyeballs.
0: Yes. So. Yes. And, and, and I saw that because I, I, I tried to put before you say I do on sale. But Amazon was having none of it, and it wouldn't change my price for 10 fucking days. So I was hoping to put it on sale, and then it didn't go on sale. But I still saw an uptick in sales. So that's, you know,
1: win-win. Yeah, that's when Amazon was really having all their issues. Yes, I was very nervous about the 99-cent sale because um, I had heard from other authors, not just you, but that it was becoming impossible almost to do the simplest things that we took for granted for so long. (laughs) Like it wasn't always that hard to change a price, but on um, Amazon, I think though they're kind of working out the kinks because I did notice with the ninety nine cent sale, at least thirty something of the books that were ninety nine cents uh, landed in the top one hundred on the um, chart. So the algorithm's kicking in; things are moving again. It's still not as efficient, but I think it's getting better. Hopefully, knock on wood. I'm knocking on my desk. So let's hope the most painful part come in of the last. The most most painful part of the last couple months is past us, hopefully, because um, I've been looking at the numbers for my releases, and it definitely hurt. But I'm going to move on to fun news instead of sad news. So I finally watched the entire Boba Fett TV series on Disney. Now, I know you're not a huge Star Wars fan. When I found out last winter that there wouldn't be season three of The Mandalorian out at this time of year, I was a bit sad because, as you know, I really enjoyed the Mandalorian because I really enjoyed uh, Grogu or Baby Yoda. For those of you who don't watch the series, but
0: surely you've seen photos of Baby Yoda. Uh, have I, you seen? I've seen Yoda, so I can imagine. Not
1: seen Baby Yoda.
0: I can imagine what it looks like small.
1: How have you avoided this? He's everywhere. <laughs> He's absolutely everywhere. But anyways, um, I was very happy that uh. Grogu, made an appearance in Boba Fett. So I got my fix. I got my Baby Yoda fix.
0: Well, I'm I'm pl- I'm pleased for you because there was a lot of words there. <laughs> it was like a word salad, and you know, well, I like a nice salad, and especially a word salad. Sometimes I don't understand the words, but but I'm glad that you're glad.
1: Please don't eat Grogu. No, okay. A lot of people will hate you no, okay. <laughs> if you try to kill Baby Yoda and eat him. <laughs> a lot. Of, I mean, I think that might kill your career. I'm just saying. La- no, it was it was fun to catch up with the series. And, hmm. um, I've decided last year my my um, viewing challenge kind of was to watch all the Marvel movies. I've decided this year to watch all the Star Wars mo- Star Wars movies again. I haven't seen all of them, so I'm gonna like have a Star Wars festival. But that's gonna be my project because it's still kind of cold and I don't want to go outside.
0: Okay, that's good. Uh, do do more that, of the things that you love. And if watching Absolutely. and if watching star wars movies is that then all power to you i've still not seen one i have you know watched...
1: princess leia is like in a gold bikini right <laughs> one of them
0: <laughs> oh no no one's ever told me that Shit. okay which one is that
1: oh is that one empire strikes i forget which one it is but she's in a gold bikini like it's okay. like one of the most iconic parts of star wars for uh lesbians
0: okay Right, okay. We
1: all love Princess Leia in the cold bikini. Come
0: on! I, I didn't know that, honestly. I just thought it was about Luke Skywalker running around and Harrison Ford and, you know, hairy creatures and little metal robot creatures and things, you know. Yeah. There's
1: Carrie Fisher. Okay. Princess Leia. Yes. Come on. All right. Come on.
0: Okay. So over here, um, I have been carrying on with my spring release. The words are uh, flowing out now, which is good because I had to, you know, rejig it all after, as I said, after my uh, research. But it's needed because because my deadline is fast approaching, TB. You had a March deadline. I've got a March deadline. Um, Yours is the first. Mine's the 25th. So I've got a bit of time. This week, I'm just approaching the end of draft one. So uh, then I've got to start on draft two. But, you know, crunch time is approaching. So I know we said, you know, it's really good to make deadlines. And it is, otherwise you'd never get anything finished. But then uh, it's always this time, about three weeks before, where I think, I am never going to get this fucking thing finished. And uh, I don't know what I'm doing. So, yeah, but, you know, the ladies have kissed. They've had sex. They've done romantic things together. And now it's all fallen apart. So we're completely on track.
1: They've kissed. They've had sex, they've done fun fun things, and then they fell apart. Yeah. Is that your (laughs) blurb?
0: You know, my God, I've just written it live on air. Live blurb brainstorming, everyone. Uh, Yeah, so I really like the the details of this book. So um, I'm hoping, at the moment I'm in the stage where I just think it's a fucking mess. You know, like if you had a jigsaw and you just tipped... You just threw the entire box in the air and then all the pieces landed on the floor. That's how it kind of feels at the moment. But you know, second draft is where I get the corners, right? And then the third draft is where I fill in the middle. So I'm hoping it all will come together. Well, the, the first draft is
1: always so painful, especially when you have to sit down and read it all the way through to oh, figure out where you have to fix everything. <laughs> it's like my least favorite part. <laughs> it's like, oh.
0: Yeah. What kind of a moron wrote this? Oh, it was me. <laughs> But by the end, like
1: when, like when like the people's eye color changes or like <laughs> their name changes career, you're like, God,
0: <laughs> <laughs> what color's their hair again? Yes. Yeah, so we're at that fun stage. Uh, what else have I done? So um, last week I went and gave blood um, for the first time ever. So that was interesting. Um, but it was actually not too bad. Um, this is an aid of my little great niece who um, my, my niece had a very traumatic birth with her first child. Um, my great niece Scarlett and she was in intensive care for a month last year it was very touch and go but she's thriving now and that was all thanks to the blood given to keep her alive so in honor of her first birthday my niece asked could everyone go and give blood so I thought that was a you know it's one of those things that I've always thought I should do um but I never have because you know who wants a massive needle in their arm but actually it was fine I'm not actually that scared of, like you know getting my injections and my covid jabs and all that you know it doesn't it doesn't really phase me some people are very needle phobic i'm not that bad and obviously giving blood is a bit more but um you know what the, the favorite thing was um they gave me two kit kats tb and some orange juice so i'm like wow and they offered me crisps and i was like that's quite a lot isn't it really i don't need crisps as well
1: what are the crisps for i know the the sugar is to help you but what I don't do you know. need the salt too i don't know or is that just like a British thing? Maybe it's oh, <laughs> you can't survive without Chris.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Want some Chris too? I was like, no, but well, I've had some Chris. So I'd like a beer. Have you gotten a beer? No, apparently not. Um, but yeah. <laughs> so, but we we'll, we would sort of say as well that if you can give blood, do it. Give Give blood. Just do it because it's a good thing to do.
1: Especially these days, I think a lot of areas are actually really short oh, on yeah. uh, blood. So if you can, yeah, that's yeah. definitely something you can. It's an I won't say easy way to help someone because I am one of those that's absolutely terrified of needles. And for a a significant time of my 30s, I was getting blood tests every four weeks and so that was not fun. But it it is a way to help people. If you have a fear, I'm sorry, but it's a way to help people. Yes. Needles suck. I hate needles. Don't mention needles again. Okay,
0: okay, sorry. But if you haven't got that phobia that shall not be spoken about um uh, you know do go do go and do it um also this week i did uh so this is a topic we're going to be discussing next week i did an interview with a new york times reporter about the explosion of queer fiction into the mainstream that was interesting to um share my views with her and i thought hey that'd be a good topic so we're going to do that next week um so yeah so that was quite interesting and one other thing that happened this week is that um So I think I told you that I've got some pals in my new workspace that I go for lunch with now. So I've got like new friends. So hooray. Um, But also, so I I don't know if you remember, um, the Alliance of Independent Authors is a a great not-for-profit organisation. And they have little offshoots. So um, depending on where you lived. So I used to go along to the um, Alliance of Independent Authors London chapter and just go and talk about, writing and and stuff like that uh and then covid hit and then that all went online and i kind of lost touch and didn't go didn't go to the ones online strangely even though they were a bit more convenient um but the guy who ran it um is really lovely actually i think you've met him do you remember mike from the boat party he has now moved nearby to greenwich so he's started to arrange these writing sundays so every two weeks he's gonna um get into a cafe on in greenwich write for a couple of hours and then go for dinner um, and just do some writing chat. So that's nice to have that on offer in my local area. <laughs> he's a thriller writer, and he's done very well in the last few years. Um, so, in fact, about in the last 12 months, his books have really taken off, so it'll be interesting to have chats with him about...
1: Are you going to start writing sapphic thrillers?
0: No, because he was talking to me when I saw him. He said, uh, it's all about cars and guns. And I was like, wow, there are two things that I have no interest in, so...
1: Well, since you've never driven a car, well, you have, but you never got your license. Mm. And I'm assuming you've never shot a gun.
0: I have not, no.
1: See, I've done both. I don't shoot guns anymore. What? I don't know why, when I was a child, my uh, grandfather thought it was okay to teach me how to shoot a gun. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure. How? But it's how, very American.
0: How, it is very American. I was trying not to be disparaging, but you know, it's pretty American. Uh, how old were you when you shot your first gun, in TB?
1: very young <laughs> nine or ten.
0: Oh my god <laughs> now you know i've never but so unsurprisingly uh being that guns are not very um popular <laughs> in the uk not not as much as they are in the us never shot one never had access to one never seen never even laid eyes on one in real life but uh my brother did used to have an air rifle which he used to it, my brother was quite obsessed with guns and knives when he was a teenager he hasn't grown up to be be a serial killer or anything so that's good Uh, but when he was in his teens he had this air rifle i'm not sure i think it did used to shoot kind of pellets and he used to try and hit the lamppost out the back of his window so i have seen that but i never shot the rifle
1: so is that like a bb gun what we have like a bb gun where it shoots like rubber pellets
0: maybe that's it yeah i don't know exactly okay yeah
1: now i only shot a gun on a shooting range i never shot it at objects or anything else i was taken to a shooting range by my grandfather who was well versed in gun safety and everything but oh. it was still weird being a child at the time i didn't think it was weird but as an adult i'm like what the fuck <laughs> why was i taken to a shooting range <laughs> such a weird american part of us i yeah. don't get it yeah because I'm, I'm really against guns yeah. very much against guns
0: yeah all right so let's crash on got any comments comment monitor
1: all right, so we have a comment from Edie Marr, a fellow sapphic author, and Edie says, I love your podcast. I feel like I'm talking to someone famous. Which one is the famous one?
0: Oh, we'd love to know. Let us know.
1: Well, you're the one who's talking to uh, New York Times Liz. That's clearly <laughs> me. <laughs> so, so clearly you're the famous one. But uh, we appreciate the comment, and we appreciate you listening. Yes, we do. And no, and no, we don't have bias buy us a coffee this week.
0: Okay. And I've got no comments, so uh, we're, we're, we're low on comments, everyone. Comment. Where's where's the comments gone, TB? Well,
1: I am under a deadline, so maybe I'm not being very diligent <laughs> at tracking them down. It might be me. I don't want to blame our listeners for uh, my stress-induced
0: panic. <laughs> okay. <laughs> TB's on a deadline. Uh, She'll get to your comments eventually. So uh, let's crash on then to the topic of the day, which are, what are your key brand values? So uh, TB's gonna take the lead on this one. So over to you.
1: Okie dokie. So I have to admit, in the beginning of my author career, I thought my author brand was simply being a sapphic fiction author. And I think maybe since I published in 2013, That was kind of being on brand because sapphic fiction had not taken off as much. So um, I was kind of like, yeah, I don't really need to be anything else. I can just be the sapphic fiction author. So it took me time. So my author brand, my TV Markinson author brand, kind of evolved over time. And some of the evolution happened naturally as I settled into things. And some of it um, I worked at to see the benefits and so in order to succeed as a writer um you have to form a connection with your readers and you have to build your audience and have an avid fan base and this is part of building your author brand you have to have a story not just in your books but for your author name so here are the key ingredients for my tbm brand the big piece of the puzzle which took me time to figure out was the tie-in to the lizzie series the Lizzie series is my most popular series as uh, TV Markinson. And I think uh, the, the prequel to the Lizzie series is called A Clueless Woman. And I think our regular listeners to the podcast will agree that I can be a bit clueless <laughs> at times.
0: <laughs> is that one of your key brand values?
1: <laughs> it is part of my brand. So when I'm pitching my newsletter to new subscribers, um, I always say something like follow my misadventures in life along with finding out about my new books and stuff like that. Cause you don't want to make it just like your newsletter. You don't want to make it just about like buy my books. You want to share stories. I always open up my newsletter with one of my um, misadventures. Like the time I didn't know knocking boots and country songs was code for sex or the time I accidentally ordered uh, three nice tits t-shirts all the exact same color. I wasn't even creative in like getting like one in green instead of red or whatever. So, but part of this is part of my author brand. Um, some of it comes very naturally as listeners will know that I am uh, clueless. <laughs> so, so leaning into the Lizzie series has become part of my brand and that just kind of happened over time. Cause when I first published a woman lost, I didn't know it would turn into a series, but um, Lizzie fans are very fanatic. And they always want more Lizzie, so that's part of my brand. I'm also known for writing uh, sizzling romances, and this I I recently got an email from a listener who was like, "I I've been listening to the um the backlist of the podcast, and I was very surprised when you admitted that you don't like writing sex scenes and how like you know you try to avoid them and. And then there was that one book where I had to write like six of them, not six, like three of them in like a day because I put them all off, like insert sex here and kept going. The email was like, I found it surprising because I really enjoy your sex scenes. You write some of the better sex scenes. And she's like, so I was surprised that you hate writing them. They're just really difficult to write. And I'm also very shy. So I have to be very, you know, they're not easy to write, but I am known for writing sizzling romances. I'm also known for my sense of humor. So you kind of know you're going to get clueless, which kind of goes with sense of humor because I do get myself into bad situations. And then I'm like, well, this will be great for a story. (laughs) Sucks right now. Everyone's staring at me, but it's going to be funny in a book, (laughs) but also for sizzling romances. So that's part of my brand as well. But I also had um, something that became part of my brand and I didn't think of it at the time. But I was lucky enough to be an American who has lived in Britain and in Ireland. And these experiences not only enriched my my life, my personal life, but they um, have enriched my writing. Add in the clueless factor, and it makes for some really comical scenes for some of these stories. And recently I've been leaning heavily into the um, American in London because (laughs) I'm missing travel. And with these COVID times, I'm not traveling as much. And London's my happy place. And so I'm trying to stay positive for 2022. So I keep writing about London because that's my happy place. So this also, though, has become part of my brand. So we got clueless sex (laughs) and uh, being having experience as an American outside of America. But I think another big core value of my brand is I'm known for being kind I won't rehash the reason why I started the website IHL, but my overall goal for the website is building a sapphic community and showing support not only for sapphic authors, but for sapphic readers. I I do believe, and I wish people would do this, I do believe every brand should have kindness part of, as part of their core values. I think it would be a much better world if all of us could be kinder and more supportive instead of tearing people down on social media because it's fun for a day, even though you can destroy human life, but I'm getting off topic. We all know my thoughts on social media. <laughs> Princess <Pustip> TV. <laughs> <laughs> I TV. So these are all parts of my brand and I try to keep them alive. I try to keep them fresh. And I try to share them not only in my books, but in my newsletter and on the podcast. And again, the clueless part does come naturally. So I can't really change that. I will recommend um, when you're thinking of creating your author brand, because you do have to come up with a story. It could be, you know, when I say come up with a story, you're not coming up with a fictionalized version. You're coming up with the parts you want to share about your life as an author. And I will recommend for new authors who are coming up with their brand, don't share everything about your life. You don't have to give up your entire concept of privacy. I don't recommend that at all. Um, while I do share details about my life, and I share I share the parts I'm comfortable with people knowing. Um, there are details I do keep close. Um, for example, two examples are um, going back even before i, I published a last one, when i was um doing my blog my 50-year blog and when i was trying to get into publishing and everything like that i never shared my partner's name that's very intentional um she's an extremely private person so but a lot of people will be like why can't we know your partner's name um you don't have to share that detail and i've never shared what my pen name initials stand for partly because it's just become fun <laughs> because everyone wants to know what it is and i love I'm always like, well, you tell me, what's your guess? I love to see the guesses. They're fun, but also, they mean something to me and one other person pretty much. And it means more to me that it's kept private. So and, um, so that's why I do it. But I also get a lot of people who email me and everything like so they, they, they know me through my books. They know me through my newsletter, and they know me through the podcast, but you're only getting a small part of me, and that's intentional, and I recommend authors to keep it that way. In this world, keeping your private life private is getting harder and harder, and you don't have to give 100% to your fans. They want a lot. You don't have to give them everything. So... But you can give, I hopefully give enough, like I share about my life, I share about Grey, I've shared about my experiences abroad and everything like that. But you have to keep part of you off your brand. Otherwise it would just become so exhausting to always have to be on.
0: Obviously there are things that we know about each other that we don't share with everybody else because we're, we're mates. So um, yeah, yes. and, and it's not to say that uh, your readers your some of your uh, readers can truly become your friends as well yes um, absolutely yeah but um there's always there's always going to be um just to the general um population as a whole the things that you shared yeah like tb says don't share everything um just think about the things that you want to, that you're comfortable sharing. Like for instance, I everybody knows my wife's name um, and I share pictures uh, of her. I do always ask her first, um, is she okay with it? I, I don't know if I did that in the first place, so I probably um, let the cat out of the bag before that and now she's like, yeah, well, you've done it before. <laughs> well, you
1: also, you also use your real name. See, I had I the benefit of having the pen name, so it wasn't tied to my social media because if you have like a Facebook or a Twitter, um, yeah, there's gonna be photos of people who are close to you on that.
0: Yes, and I I think that that's another thing um, that obviously I think I've talked about this before. If I was doing it all over again, I'd probably choose a pen name um, just because it's a lot easier to to keep your personal and your private life um, separate from your work life. Uh, But as it is, I use my um, actual name. It looks good on a book cover because it's five letters for Claire and five letters for Leiden. So, you know, (laughs) it's it's not a bad one to to have used, but there is some sort of crossover. So you have to kind of manage that. And I suppose, yeah, that's one of the reasons why I do share more than you. But so when I was thinking about this, I was thinking, what are my key brand values? and I think, like you, probably they've changed over time. But I think I'm very I think I'm pretty clear on them now, actually. It didn't take me long to come up with these. Firstly, that my books will always have happy endings. I know that you say, well, you're a romance author, surely that would should be standard, right? Well, yes, you'd hope so, but not all romance, um not all romances are created equally. Um I would say that most romances do have a happy ending, but, not everybody understands that romance is always happy, a happy ending. Um, I, quite, I get quite a lot of emails from people saying, "Can you uh, is it, does this book end well? Um, yes, my books always end well. So um, most of them are HEA, some of them are HFN, happy for now. But um, I think one or two, but most of them happy ever after. Because like Marion Key says, uh, the world is not agreeable. So you have to um, have a happy ending. If you can write it, write a good one. Um, The other thing that uh, I am known for is my uh, British humour and flair. British Flair TV, do you like it?
1: Oh, I love me some British flair (laughs) and humour. British
0: humor yes so um I know that this is something that uh readers point out all the time to me uh my books do have an element of comedy in them some stronger than others especially certain series like the all I want series is very romantic comedy and some of the um first London books as well and a couple few of my standalones are um you know full-on rom-coms and I've got a bit of romance just full-on romance and all the swoony, swooniness mixed in but Running through all of them is British humour, and I, I know that especially my British readers like it because you know it's it's familiar and um, it, it's stuff. I think I have like British references as well, right? That that they can, they'll understand, and maybe uh, um, my American readers won't. But you know what? Um, a lot of some of some people said to me, "Oh, you should take those uh, references out." But no, I leave them in because I think American readers like to learn new words, and um, if they don't know the references, they just look them up. I think you need to give readers a bit more credit than some people think that they should have. I should also say, of course, that's not just American readers, that's all non-British readers.
1: Yeah, it kind of goes back to that one comment about the woman who was saying that like, she's Canadian and writes Canadian English, British English and American Mm. English. But like with, especially these days with the, um, how easy it is to Mm. watch shows from different countries and how easy it is to download books why would you erase a part of the British experience just to accommodate, I'm assuming the American audience?
0: Yeah. So, yeah. And, and, you know, as I say, by and large, the, the people that love it are my American readers. So, uh, that's what, they yeah. come, that's what they come back for. It's part of my brand. <laughs>
1: yeah. I, I would, I would never say do that because, um, no people, it's charming.
0: Yes, and I think um, you know it. It was a slight misstep. You know, we've talked before about me, uh, you writing. When you wrote *One Golden Summer*, you found it um, tricky because it was it was done from a, an, in a British English. Uh, and similarly, when I attempted *Twice in a Lifetime*, I really like that book. I think it's a good book, but I attempted it from American English, and actually, it's off-brand. Um, so I think it was a misstep in my overall branding. You know, it's one that my readers forgave. Uh, and they came along with me. However, if I look at it in a in the light of day, it was a misstep branding wise. So there we are. So I've got happy endings, uh, British humour and flair and the one the other thing that I'm very well known for is my first kisses. Now I think the first kiss is um, the best bit of any romance. Uh, it's the point where everything comes together and all the feelings explode and uh, there's there's gushiness inside. Right TB?
1: i'm I'm just trying to picture exploding gushing
0: kisses sounds a bit sloppy but yeah my first kisses uh you know uh, many readers say that i'm famed for them so i'm taking that mantle and i'm running with it um the lesbian review who says i'm the queen of british uh, lesbian romantic comedy i'm running with that as well so you know um, uh, it's part of my branding now the first kisses are always big events in my book and so is the comedy so i try and play those up and then the other thing uh, i think i've just written down is um high quality queer entertainment with quirky characters that's a lot of that's a lot of words beginning with q you know in that sentence that would be a high scrabble score that sentence
1: absolutely yeah
0: yeah you would rock it are there three q's in the scrabble in the Scrabble letters, though, maybe not. So high quality... For
1: someone who doesn't spell very well, Scrabble's like the worst game yeah, for me exactly. to play, but I have no
0: idea. <laughs> I don't like Scrabble very much. So anyway, high quality queer entertainment with quirky characters. So yeah, that's part of my brand. And then the last thing is to surprise my readers and over-deliver on expectations. Now that sounds like I'm writing a branding uh, sort of document for some sort of corporate uh, company, um, but you know, you kind of have to look on yourself a bit like that when you're coming up with something like this and kind of then think can I apply that and actually it's what I want to do every time I write a book I want to surprise my readers and I want to uh, amaze them and over deliver on what they the, what they expect because as we said when you're a writer expectations of what your books will do could crush you but when you're a reader expectations of a, what of what this book might do for you if you as the writer push past the limits that they, that your reader has even imagined, then they're going to come back.
1: Yeah, I had an email the other day that was one of the best compliments I've ever had. The person said, you know, I just purchased your latest book. I didn't even read the blurb. I just know whatever you write, I'm going to enjoy it. And that's where you want to get. Yeah. <clears throat> where they see your name and they hit buy. Yes. They don't even have to read the blurb. They know it's going to be something that they enjoy. And it takes... A lot of work to get to that point but uh when you hear uh get an email like that it's it's high praise. high praise.
0: yes absolutely um so yeah so th- they're my key branding uh things really happy endings uh british humor first kisses and then surprise my readers so I hope, as well, that I am approachable, relatable, and accessible, a bit like you. But then when I wrote that down, I decided I decided like a modern-day municipal council building, maybe a tech-savvy library or a sports hall. So maybe I am a sports hall as well. What do you think?
1: You, you could be what you want to be.
0: Yeah. I'm gonna, That's the whole part of the brand. I'm going to put that down on my branding. Be yeah. more. Be a tech-savvy sports hall.
1: There you go. <laughs> I don't know what that is. <laughs> you I have to explain Exactly what you're going for. With
0: that. <laughs> <laughs> it's a Britishism, right? You know, you Americans, you have to look it up. All right. Well, we <laughs> let us know what you think. What are your key brand values? Um, have you worked out what your key brand values are? Uh, do let us know what you think. Comment on the website. And do you think that mine and TV's brand values? Uh, do you think that they're correct? To what we said? Are we exhibiting them through our writing? Yes. And, through- and also
1: remember, like when you're creating your relationship with your fans. Like when I was saying, you know, don't share everything, but you do that naturally in life. Like you don't share everything with your coworkers that you share with your partner and stuff like that. It's just something you have to, the dynamic you have to work out and what you're comfortable with. You do it all the time. You just have to figure it out for your author brand.
0: Yes. So do let us know what you think. Get in touch on the website, lesbiansyourwrite.com via email, write at gmail.com. Facebook us, Twitter us at leshuwrite, and Instagram me at clairefick. And join us next time when we will be discussing the explosion of queer literature in the mainstream. What was that accent? <laughs> it was what was that? It was a bit of a weird sort of posh accent. I don't know. Okay, so until, until then, uh, stay safe and keep writing. Bye, everyone. Thanks for listening to Lesbians Who Write. Follow us on Twitter at Les Who Write or show us some love on our website by leaving us a comment or buying us a coffee and sign up to our newsletter while you're there to never miss another episode. Head over to lesbianswhowrite.com. Also, if you could take a moment to leave us a review wherever you listen to this podcast, it would help more listeners to discover us. Thanks so much and see you next time.